Practical Idealist Podcast, aligning what is good with what is possible. I'm your host, Allison Bueller, Director of the Homestead Education Center in Starkville, Mississippi. Our focus on this show is real change that improves health, home, and community. Our Helping Hands project through the Homestead began when we found out that one of our original board members of Gaining Ground Sustainability Institute, which later became the Homestead, had a daughter with cancer. He and his wife were two of the first sustainable farmers in the state. They took a big leap of faith to come home and farm in a way that was healthier but riskier. And when we heard that their firstborn was diagnosed with a terrifying tumor, we gathered and held a benefit that raised over $5,000 for their trips to St. Jude's. And that just got us started. The next year we fixed a family's roof, and then we put a roof over an entire community center. We understand that we're better able to help and to take positive action in our communities when we take care of ourselves and our families. But making real change is central to this organization and it's central to this podcast. Today, I couldn't be more excited than I am to tell you about this year's Helping Hands project. To help me, I have one of the most respected members of our community on the show, Paul Luckett. I met Paul almost immediately when we moved to Starkville 12 years ago on an educational committee I remember walking on a tour and talking to him about his passion for education, all, educating all children well. He and his wife, Melissa, have maintained that commitment through their involvement in almost every single effort in our community surrounding education. And it's my pleasure to introduce Paul Luckett to this community to help explain this year's Helping Hands Project. Welcome, Paul. Well, thank you. Wow, what an introduction. I was wondering, like, who is she talking about? <laughs> Can't no, be very well. Can't be talking about. Me. I'm like, can I? Can I just pay you to like go to lunch with me? And <laughs> when we see people in the community, I don't even say who I am. I just say, Hey, Allison, can you let them know? You know, Paul. Everybody knows who you are. And I know you guys do great work. <laughs> well, I want you just to start. You know, tell these this community who you are, who your family is, and what you do. Well, again, thank you so much for having me and. Uh, always looking to include every member of our community in a number of the great efforts that you do in the community. Um, I am, uh, as you've said, Paul Luckett, and I am a technology advisor. I own a business called No Sky Solutions, where we provide technology consulting and support to small businesses in the area. And uh, my wife and I, I am originally a native of Jackson, Mississippi, and my wife hails to us from the Delta. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that uh, really drew us to Starkville, we met here and we just thought that this was an excellent place to raise children, primarily because of the embrace that we have from the community, the way that people work together to make Starkville the best community in the state of Mississippi. And, and that's not an empty platitude. I mean, we've actually been recognized as of late by, I think, Mississippi Magazine as the best, best place in the state to live, uh, the most walkable city, uh, the best place for kids to play. And I think it has a lot to do with people like yourself that looks around, see what needs to be done, and gets after it. Well, yes, and the only reason I can make that happen is because there is an army behind every effort. And so you guys have led and been behind and and started so many efforts. Can you kind of talk about 
some of your work in the community and Melissa's work just on some of the boards that you sit on and some of the organizations that you belong to? Sure. Well, uh, some of the early initiatives that I was involved with uh, were initiatives like Habitat for Humanity, which is near and dear to me. Uh, this is probably a story for another time, but there, there was a time that I was homeless. And so uh, Habitat for Humanity uh, was something that was near and dear to me, uh, giving people a second chance. I am, uh, you know, not to get preachy, but uh, I like to say I'm a grace case, uh, that I am here by the grace of God uh, and by the awesome second, third, fourth into the power of whatever <laughs> chances uh, to to do good. And yeah. so I w wanted to be a part of that with Habitat for Humanity. Um, I, I've since um, joined the partnership board and am chairing their education committee, trying to find ways to integrate businesses into our public school system uh, to, because we're, we're training the next generation workforce. And we're trying to figure out how the business community can be part of uh, providing a stellar education in the, in the city of Starkville. Um, and uh, recently I sit on the United Way board where uh, our primary mission is to uh, deal with food insecurity, uh, to create safety, uh, excuse me, safe environments for people to, to live and to, to grow in, uh, and also pushing financial and reading literacy. So um, a lot of that ties into a lot of the great work that you're doing. And to speak to my wife, Melissa, uh, she has been a tireless advocate in the public school system. She has yes, served she has. on every PTO of every school. And of course, for those that may not be familiar with the school system here in Starkville, uh, you know, we, we have basically four different schools, maybe five now, um, that kids progress through from kindergarten all the way through high school. And my wife has been involved with every PTO, uh, serving in leadership positions there, trying to trying to get things done. And she uh, had an opportunity to serve on the school board. Uh, she was my favorite school board member. Of course, I'm a little biased. Um, but she is, uh, what's, what's crazy uh, about my wife, Allison, I, I just want to you know, share this briefly. Uh, we were going on vacation in Florida, and um, I'll never forget. My wife was preparing to um, serve on the school school board for the first year, and there is basically an orientation that they go to in Jackson that teaches them how to be school board members. And there was this absolutely monstrous binder mm -hmm. of policies and procedures. And she was so giddy about that. She was sitting there <laughs> going page by page, reading through policy and procedures, just eating it up. I mean, this is what she's reading during vacation because that's how excited she was to serve on the school board. And that is, Melissa specializes in trying to affect systemic change through policy. Yeah. And um, I couldn't be more proud of her. She currently works with the research and curriculum unit out at Mississippi State University. She just came back yesterday from the Mississippi Delta uh, implementing a computer science program, basically trying to understand 
how can we increase the uptake in the most underserved communities of computer science? How can we change attitudes about computer science? How can we, how can we shift students from computer science is something for someone else. I'm not smart enough to do that. And that ties and that dovetails so well into why this initiative, uh, where the books like me is so important because it gives kids that imagery where they don't imagine that that's someone else, where they imagine that that's them. That's right. And let's move into that. This year's Helping Hands project is going to support a larger initiative called Where Are the Books That Look Like Me? And if you haven't somehow seen me blasting it all over Facebook or emails in the last month, let me just explain really quickly what that is. We created, there was a team of authors and illustrators and educators who created a book series that was designed to fill a big gap, a chapter book series. This is when children go from being read to in picture books to learning how to read on their own. They internalize reading, they gain fluency, they raise their vocabulary, they become fluent in those sight words. It's a critical time in reading. And I knew about this gap, Paul, because I taught in Jackson and my class was 95% black. I, I read them Harry Potter. I didn't know what else to read them. There was nothing else. Um, they didn't want the serious books like about Harriet Tubman. They wanted just kid books, regular kid books. But I knew it wasn't my story to tell. I wasn't just going to create some character and make them black and put them in my voice. And so it wasn't until I reconnected with a college friend who is a phenomenal storyteller and funny, I think she's the funniest person I know, um, that we talked about. She mentioned that her boys could not find books that looked like them. And I said, you know what? I know how to do storyline and you are the best storyteller I know. And she said, Yes, let's do this. Let's do this. And then we had we hired an illustrator, Chris Miller, out of Nashville to bring it to life. And so we've created the first three books. And now our goal is to get them produced and distributed. We want a thousand copies across all 82 counties in Mississippi. And Paul, you jumped on, and I was so thankful because it's become. It started out as just Lenora and me, and then Chris. And now it is an entire community effort, and I'm so glad that the community has embraced this to make it happen. Can you talk a little bit about why you were excited about the project? Well, Allison, quite frankly, it was a no-brainer, uh, not only because of the merits of the project, but you have proven yourself in this community to do good work. I, I remember the first major initiative that you and I worked together on, and that was the um, the reading literacy tutoring that we did at um, Suddeth Elementary, That's right. where uh, we took kids that I guess were effectively on the bubble of fluency and working with them one-on-one -on -one to um, bring, bring them to the level that they could be. And it was projects like that and, and the, the passion that you've had about bringing people together around the jail King Center and the repairs there, you had already established, and this is so vital, this is so vital, you had already proven that you care. There are a lot of, we live in a university town, there are a lot of brainiacs around here. And, <laughs> and my, one of my mentors said, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Well, Allison, you have proven how much you care. And so the uptake of this project was largely because 
people had associated that this is a person who cares about the community. And I hope that I am not being too real for this podcast, but we also knew that this was not a white savior complex. This was not a, this was not a white person swooping down in a descending, condescending manner saying, let me do this for you because you can't do this for yourself. This was saying, you, this is a community that I care about and that this community has potential. Let's get together to help realize that potential. And that message through your action and through your day-to-day work that resonated. It wasn't anything that had to be articulated. That wasn't anything that had to be said that was known. So, uh, you know, I can't take any credit for jumping on board. Uh, you had already created this, this momentum uh, of, you know, care and concern. And so that was already there. And then couple that with the fact that there is a vacuum yeah. for books you know i have two voracious readers in my house well you know more than that if you if you include uh my wife and i but we, you have voracious readers in our house and when i go through their entire library their entire library mm-hmm. there is not one with a black central character mm-hmm. so um you know, I, I, hopefully I didn't go on no. too long about all of that. But but that that was one of the reasons why my wife and I and to rift on that just a bit. I'll just never forget, you know, little things that happen around our house, like when we're playing the Nintendo Wii. Most people won't even remember the Wii, but you would create a character called a me mm. and my my son was so accustomed to reading books about uh you know these white heroes um the one of the series i i um, I, i'm almost afraid to try to uh, mention it but i think it was the the percy series basically where it's an percy jackson is this this olympian so he was really into that he was really into harry potter so he this is the imagery i mean because he this is a world that he have immersed he's immersed himself in and he's and he's found these qualities that he likes and admires but but they're about someone else Mm -hmm. and so and this is manifested one day when we're deciding hey we're going to you know we got a new we, he's making his me, and guess what? He makes a white character for his mm-hmm. me. Yeah. There's an option there to create a brown character. And, and, and my wife and I, you know, we're very direct. We're, we're, we asked why did he do that? He's like, I, I don't know why. That's just what I want my me character to be, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, the fact that there are these worlds that our children want to be part of, but they have no representation in that world, creates a situation where they're saying, I have to be somebody else to be in this world, or I can't be in that world. And that is the gap that this book addresses. It creates a world where our kids are positively reflected. It's someone that they want to be in a world that they want to be in, where they are welcomed, where they are celebrated, and where they're the hero. And that is why we're behind this project 110%. Well, I have chills all over my body, and I don't think there's anything more I can say about this project. Paul, you have articulated it so beautifully, and it means 
it means an incredible amount to me that you and Melissa got behind it because I, I, I know I'm in the right direction. I know I'm doing something right if you guys are there too. It just, you have a good compass, you've made good decisions and you're always in the right place, heading in the right direction. So that, it validates my movement. And I Allison, you're making a black man blush that's really hard. <laughs> So don't silly. don't do that. Well, no, but, Alex, no. <laughs> you are so silly. I want to end by talking about Samba. Samba. Yes. Starful. What? Octavaha Minority Business Alliance. Did I get it right? That's it. Okay. Wow. Samba has increased our challenge for this project, and I'm yes. so excited because we are almost to our first level of producing book one. But Samba said, "Hey, that's not good enough." What have they decided to do? That, that's excellent. So one of the reasons that Samba exists, um, you know, <clears throat> again, hopefully this this is, I, I can't help but speak my mind. I'm sorry. Go but for it. Um, the reason that we, there's usually a lot of eye rolling when you say, well, there's a minority business alliance or there's a minority task force and there's a lot of conversation. Well, why, why does that need to exist? And um, the, the reason being is, is that the partnership, the Greater Starkville partnership, partnership, recognized the importance of integrating every aspect of our society and every aspect of our community. And there needed to be a voice that said, minorities, you are welcome at the table. Minorities, we want you here. So I give Scott Maynard and I give our original founder, uh, Elaine Cartab, a lot of credit for seeing a need where you look around the table, you see who's missing and you say, Let, let's go invite them to this table. Mm -hmm. And that's how we came to be. And so we're essentially ambassadors that are inviting the minority community to be a part of the larger community. Mm -hmm. And so the, uh, the reason that business is so important because economics drive so much. So, we know that student achievement is it correlates with household income mm -hmm. so we exist to improve essentially the economic drivers in the minority community to uplift the entire community because when we increase household incomes for minorities that are statistically underserved and typically uh earns less when we do that as a whole community we benefit and we grow mm -hmm. because you have better test scores as a result because you have more exposure to more things so the list goes on and on and on so this group is very aware of the needs in the minority community and they saw immediately the appeal to this project of where the books that look like me because in order for you to encourage excellence you have to demonstrate that it's possible mm -hmm. and so if there's a character such as monty in the book that you've and uh lenora have put together when when you have a character who's smart who's a scientist who's you know an explorer that encourages kids to consider that could be you and so the minority task force there wasn't really any selling uh mainly again because Allison you're a brand and you're a well-liked brand in Starkville and you've already built that momentum 
and we immediately saw the need to, um, to, to promote that type of effort. And so we've immediately gotten behind that and we've gotten various members of the, uh, the Business Alliance to also uh, individually sponsor as well as to corporately sponsor this and to go out and solicit uh, support for this. Well, we really appreciate that the whole community has wrapped their arms around this. And so be looking out on the horizon. Black Friday, we're going to kick this off. There is a telescope donated. And anybody who makes a uh, pledge or backs the project on Black Friday goes into a raffle for a telescope for Christmas because Big Monty's hero is Neil deGrasse Tyson, and he loves his telescope. And so that's how we're going to kick off uh, Samba's challenge to get book two out there. And that will feature businesses from Samba all the week after Thanksgiving. And I'm very excited about that. Thank you so much for your time. How can people find you, Paul, if they want to know more about No Sky Solutions? Um, how can they get a hold of you? Well, uh, our phone number, um, again, we do provide small business services, support, and uh, technology services. Uh, they, we can be reached at 662-268-4388. Again, that's 662-268-4388, and we'd be more than happy to help them. Um, I'm available online. Unfortunately, my handle is uh, Brain Flurry. <laughs> it's uh, they, they can feel free to uh, connect with me on almost any channel with that handle. Um, and uh, I'd, 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 be, I'd love to connect. Well, I will put all that in the show notes so that people can find you. And I think you, um, I think that a lot of people would be convinced after this show that you would be a person that needs to be found. So thank you so much for your time. And please get onto the Kickstarter campaign. You can go to, you can Google Kickstarter. Where are the books that look like me? Or you can check out the Homestead website, www.thehomesteadcenter.org. There's a link right on the homepage right now, www.thehomesteadcenter.org. And let's get book two out there. Let's do this. And then I will have the show notes that connect you to Paul. And I hope you all have a fabulous Thanksgiving and a fabulous week. And we'll see you on the other side of $20,000 raised. Happy Thanksgiving, Allison. Take care, Paul. <laughs>